it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, what is up, everybody? It's Animac here for Anime Uproar. And in this video, I will be discussing the latest heartbreaking events in the Boku no Hero story. With the epic war arc seemingly coming to a close, we just learned that at least 19 heroes have lost their lives over the course of the war. And while most of these heroes were not well known to us, one of these heroes was an important character and close to our hearts. So this truly is a tragic moment in the story. This might be the single most impactful death on the hero side since the Boku no Hero story began. And this death is sure to change the world of Boku no Hero forever. But that's not all, there is more bad news for the heroes. Shigaraki, Dobby, Spinner, and presumably Skeptic have all escaped successfully. And All For One seems to be planning a massive Tartarus prison break in the near future. There is so much to talk about, so let's get into it. If you enjoyed the Boku no Hero content here on the channel and you want us to keep it going, please leave a like and comment, it really does help. And if you're new to Anime Uproar, or maybe you just haven't subscribed yet, make this the video that you subscribe and hit that notification bell to turn on all notifications. According to YouTube statistics, more than half of you guys who watch our channel are not actually subscribed. I get people telling me that they forgot to subscribe all the time and that's why they end up missing a bunch of our videos, so please, if you do enjoy our content, definitely subscribe and hit that notification bell. Finally, this video will of course contain Boku no Hero manga spoilers, so please proceed with caution, you have been warned. The story takes us back to the absolutely horrifying aftermath of the big battle in Jakku City. It is quickly revealed that Pixie Bob did indeed survive Shigaraki's massive decay wave from earlier on in the arc. The same goes for present Mike, our boy Washu, and Space Hero 13. Initially when we saw Pixie Bob and the other pussycats facing down Shigaraki's decay, we weren't sure if they actually survived because we never got to see what happened to them. Since Pixie Bob survived, we can assume that Tiger and Mandalay did as well. And I think it's a pretty safe guess that Pixie Bob's earth-bending quirk is what saved them. She was able to disrupt Shigaraki's wave of decay by throwing a bunch of earth in its path. We know that Shigaraki's quirk doesn't work on substances which are not solid, such as sand, so we can assume that the same applies to earth and dust. I'm actually kind of surprised that Washu survived, because he was shown to be very close to the hospital when Shigaraki's decay began to spread. So personally I thought that he might have died. However, he is in fact okay, possibly thanks to his bubble quirk. We are not yet sure how this quirk works, but perhaps since it is liquid based, it also has some properties that can negate the effects of Shigaraki's decay. In another panel, we get to see our first glimpse of Space Hero 13's face. We see an eye and some hair through a big crack in her space helmet. I remember back when 13 was first introduced, fans speculated whether 13 had a body at all, and there was also a debate about 13's gender. Some said 13 was male, others that she was female, 
and others still thought that 13 may not have a gender in the traditional sense at all, because she might just be a sentient black hole. It was only much later that 13's gender was confirmed as female in the My Hero Academia official character book 2, which came out in 2019. We then learned that all the heroes who were still alive and able to move inside the city of Jakku tried their best to stop Shigaraki from escaping. But the so-called near-high-end Nomu managed to help Shigaraki escape by beating back the heroes and creating diversions that the heroes simply could not overcome fast enough. Some of the Nomu were taken out, but most of them survived and they were able to get away with Shigaraki, Dabi, Spinner, and like I said, presumably Skeptic. That said, Gigantomachia and Mr. Compress, who both still appear to be alive, have been captured by the police and are being detained. Compress is also getting medical help, so perhaps he will actually survive this one. He seemed to believe that he was definitely going to die, but maybe he'll actually pull through, and if he does, he'll definitely be a valuable source of intel for the heroes if they can get him to talk. Back at the villain mansion, Redestro, Getin, and Trumpet were arrested as well. Redestro appears to have been defeated by Edshot, while Getin seems to have fought Cementos to a draw since both of them look to be out cold after their battle. And these arrests were only the beginning. Apparently, nearly 17,000 members of the Paranormal Liberation Front were detained across Japan, which is a huge number. And you better believe that this will derail the Paranormal Liberation Front's plans for the foreseeable future. But that said, some 132 known members of the Paranormal Liberation Front managed to evade capture. And this includes important executives of the organization. So the Paranormal Liberation Front has definitely been crippled by the heroes and the authorities for the time being. But they may not be completely defeated, especially if those important members who are still on the loose are able to regroup at some point in the future. Himiko Toga also hasn't been captured, so she is still out there somewhere. As I mentioned multiple times in previous videos, I am legitimately surprised that she didn't do more during this arc. And I am absolutely surprised that she didn't use her awakened quirk again in some major capacity. But to be fair, this whole thing may not be over yet. Later on in the chapter, All for One hints at the possibility that yet another major battle is about to take place in Tartarus Prison, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. The rest of the chapter focuses on giving us a really good sense of how much destruction and suffering this war arc has caused for the people of Japan. We see innocent civilians crying out in pain and searching for their loved ones amidst the rubble and destruction of Jakku. Ochako and Suyu are able to rescue a little boy and a girl after the boy became trapped under the rubble and the girl, who is his sister, tried to save him. They were both almost crushed to death by more falling rubble before Ochako and Suyu intervened. Ochako then comes across a seriously injured man who is desperately searching for his wife. And thankfully she manages to locate the wife and reunite the couple. Ochako is desperate to save as many people as possible and so are the other heroes, but the scene is absolute chaos. There is so much destruction, so much pain, and so much suffering. This scene feels a lot like the aftermath of a real-life war zone, or maybe the aftermath of some terrible natural disaster in real life. And for that reason, all of this suffering and chaos felt so real. It is both tragic and scary on a very human level. Ochako even sees one of the other heroes just standing aimlessly in the midst of all the carnage. As dozens of people are crying out for help, he simply stands there, bewildered. It seems that he cannot handle the pressure and the gravity of this situation, and he says to himself that maybe he should find a new job. 
this might seem like very unprofessional behavior for a hero to be exhibiting, but this felt real. Trauma, stress, death, devastation, all of these dark and disturbing things are part of being a hero. Or for that matter, a first responder of any kind. The hero profession is often glamorized in the world of Boku no Hero. You can become rich and famous by being a hero. Everyone will love you and praise you if you're a hero, and so on. But this is just one side of being a hero. There is another, far more dark and tragic side, and not everyone can handle it. Not everyone can take that pressure, and sometimes people just break down like this hero seems to have done. And in that moment of trauma and chaos, the chapter reveals perhaps the most tragic death yet in Boku no Hero. Midnight has died. She is among at least 19 heroes who are shown to have died during the war arc, along with Crust and Exless, both of whom we saw die. But there is also Majestic, Native, that guy who showed up briefly during the Stain arc and was almost killed by Stain, and also that hero who was killed by Twice in the last moments of Twice's life. On top of that, at least one of the heroes that Toga slashed back at the villain mansion while she was disguised as the hero whom Twice had killed is also on the list. It seems that Toga really did kill him, and there are many others, although admittedly those guys were not well known to us. By far the most well known hero to die is of course our girl Midnight. Not only was she a pro hero, but she was also one of the teachers at UA and she has been with us since the beginning of the story. Nemuri Kayama, also known as the R-rated hero Midnight, was only 32 years old and she was definitely popular with her students and with many Boku no Hero fans. This could be the most significant death in the entire series so far, at least on the hero side. As I said, Midnight has been with us since the beginning. The UA students know her well since she is one of their teachers, and this death will be just so heartbreaking for so many heroes and hero students. And of course for many of us fans as well. Previous hero deaths, like the death of Sir Nighteye, were definitely tragic, but we had only met Sir Nighteye in that same arc. We didn't know him for a long time, and he certainly wasn't a UA teacher, but I feel like Midnight's death hits even harder than that. We see Mina, Kirishima, Momo, and other students weeping over Midnight's dead body as the chapter reveals that the real cause of all of these deaths was Shigaraki's immense animosity. Apparently, his body had died back when his tube was destroyed, and the electric shock that Ujiko applied wasn't enough on its own to resuscitate him. What really resuscitated Shigaraki were his own animosity and his own tenacity. And that also makes me think that Shigaraki will resist All For One's possession, but more on that later. Man, it is hard to believe that Midnight is really gone. I don't know if Horikoshi plans to do some sort of left field bait and switch with this Midnight reveal, but from what we've seen so far, it really doesn't look like it. It really does seem that Midnight has died. Now, let's be honest here, we all knew that some heroes would die during this battle, and some civilians as well. There was just no way that everyone would survive this kind of destruction created by Shigaraki, Gigantomachia, and the other villains. And I have been saying for some time that I think someone close to Deku would die, and that this tragedy would subsequently change Deku and turn him into a much darker character. But with that said, I didn't think that Horikoshi would kill off a top-tier waifu like Midnight. Seriously, I thought that maybe Gran Torino would die, 
because he is already getting on in years, and fighting all for one has kind of been his life's mission, so it would make sense for someone like him to make the ultimate sacrifice during this battle. And since Gran Torino was one of Deku's most important mentors, his death would definitely lead to some serious character development for Deku. So far, it seems that Gran Torino is alive, just really badly injured, and I did not think that someone like Midnight would be the one to die. She was young, popular, and she was someone who always provided both epic fan service and hilarious comic relief. I can't help but think back to that final exam battle between her and Sero and Mineta. That was a great moment in terms of developing the characters of both Midnight and Mineta. And hey, Sero was there too, sleeping in Midnight's lap like a baby. My boy Sero was the true MVP of that one. Honestly though, it's hard to know what to say at a time like this. Midnight will be dearly missed, and her death, along with everything else that's been happening, is going to change every student at UA, and it is going to change the wider hero society as well. The very next thing that we see in this powerful chapter is random people on the street looking at the news and talking about Endeavor. Dobby's propaganda campaign is already working, the people are grumbling about Endeavor always being kind of shady, and about the fact that he as the number one pro hero clearly failed to protect Japan from this historic villain attack. Clearly Endeavor doesn't have what it takes to be the symbol of peace like All Might was. And without a clear symbol of peace, the hero society might not have that all-important social glue that keeps the whole thing together. Confidence in the heroes is shattered, and confidence in the number one pro hero is especially low after Dobby's revelations. And I mean, this makes sense. Imagine if your own neighborhood was constantly falling victim to criminal activity, and then one day entire houses in your neighborhood were demolished by insane criminals. Even if your own house is fine, you would probably lose faith in the police. Clearly they are either unwilling or unable to protect you, and that is exactly what is happening with the hero society now. The chapter ends with a shot of All For One and Tartarus on that very same night. Dobby, Spinner, and Shigaraki are shown inside a forest, safe and away from the heroes. But it seems that All For One is still in control of Shigaraki's body. All For One proclaims that it is still his turn, and he orders the Nomu to go free his main body from Tartarus prison. And that is how this absolutely insane roller coaster ride of a chapter ends. Not only has the hero society been changed forever by this villain assault, not only are many heroes dead and presumably many civilians as well, not only is there widespread devastation in multiple cities across Japan, but apparently the threat isn't over yet. All for one is planning a prison break. I've been making videos talking about a potential Tartarus prison break for years here on the channel, and especially after Kurogiri ended up in Tartarus, I thought that that would for sure lead to All For One attempting to escape. After all, Kurogiri has the perfect escape quirk, so if the Nomu really do break into Tartarus, they don't even have to take All For One out physically. All they would really have to do is free Kurogiri, and then Kurogiri could do the rest with his quirk. I'm not sure whether this prison break is about to happen soon, like during this arc, or if it's going to happen as part of a future arc, but it definitely seems to be the way that the story is heading. All for one seems determined to take over Shigaraki's body and use it as his new vessel. And if he can escape from Tartarus and potentially help a bunch of other top tier villains escape as well, the heroes will be in massive trouble. And if we think about it logically, now is the perfect time to attempt an escape. The vast majority of the heroes are currently out on assignment and they are currently dealing with the aftermath of the war. 
if there was ever a time that the heroes would be too busy and too distracted to protect Tartarus, this is it. The heroes might have even reduced the security at Tartarus so that they can have as many heroes as possible joining in on the two raids. And if this is the case, if they temporarily lowered the security, then the heroes may come to regret that decision very soon. We'll have to wait and see, but personally, I was very impressed with this chapter. I'm obviously heartbroken about Midnight, she left us far too soon, but at the same time, I thought that this chapter had some truly incredible moments. We really got to see the extent of the destruction, and we got to see the consequences that the war arc has had on the people of Japan. We saw so many civilians suffering. We saw one hero completely breaking down, unable to handle the pressure and the trauma of such a horrific crime scene. And we saw class 1A students bawling their eyes out after discovering the tragic death of one of their teachers. We also saw that the regular people of Japan are terrified by what just took place, and they are losing their faith in the hero system, and in the number one pro hero in particular. In a time of such severe crisis, that is not a good sign. This could prove to be devastating for the hero society as a whole in the very near future. And finally, we saw that All For One still believes that this is his time. He has no intention of handing things off to Shigaraki anytime soon, and he is determined to free his own real body from Tartarus. Wow, just incredible and absolutely game-changing. Let me know what you guys think. How do you feel about the apparent death of Midnight? Did any of you see this coming? Also, what do you think is going to happen to the Hero Society now? Is it all about to come crashing down? Finally, do you think that All For One is really about to break out of Tartarus? Definitely share your thoughts down in the comments below. If you enjoyed this video and you want to see more Boku no Hero content right here on the channel, please leave a like to let me know. It really does help. And if you're new to the channel or maybe you just haven't subscribed yet, make this the video you subscribe and hit that notification bell to turn on all notifications. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Anime Uproar. A big thank you to all of our Anime Uproar patrons for making videos like this one possible. Special thank you to Alpha Sigma, disciple of Lord Twigo himself. And I can't forget all of our The One tier patrons, the ones who stand above all other clans. Including Ingrata, The World, A Quiet Respect, Liam Thompson, Pate Heffa, Rathian YX, Phoenix Anime, Emperor Otaku, Thomas Jones, Spidey Life Tunnel, Baked Buddhist, Tungsten Tarkus, and Denki Kaminari. Finally, thank you also to our Pro Hero tier patrons, including the one and only Gilgamesh, Steelers, Angel Cruz, Anatoly Kazatsky, Cricket XP, Joe Stanton, Very Gucci, Jessica Califond, Alicia Octor, Bonnie Parks, Hinokami and Water, The Red Haired Raven, Florian, Joanne Garcia, Jack Watches Anime, Fatboy Games, Manwa Freaks, Deadly Saint, Matthew Cruz, and Anthony Schreiber. If you enjoy our videos and you feel that they provide value for you, consider supporting us on Patreon. Even a single dollar gives you access to our patron-exclusive Discord, and your name will appear in our videos along with these amazing people. As always, thank you guys so much for watching, and until next time, see ya, Space Cowboys!
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.